0: That's been a word that I've just been thinking over and over. It has nothing to do with the message. Just worthy. God's just worthy. He's just like, he's worthy. I've been finding every song that I can find on Spotify that has worthy in it. Like, whenever you think about, like, the hardest thing that Jesus has ever asked you to do, like, he's worth it. Amen. Like, you think about the things that are excruciatingly difficult that you would never, ever, ever want to do, but Jesus says, no, this is your task. He's worth it. Like, he's he's worthy. Worthy isn't just like a Christianese word we have on a screen sometimes. Worthy you were, worthy you are, worthy you will be. It's like, no. Everything that God calls us into, he's worth it. Everything he asks us to lay down, he's worth it. Everything he asks us to give, he's worth it. Um, I'm really excited about um, next week, uh, the game night. Um, anybody, does anyone love games? Like, anyone? okay, the people who aren't raising their hands are like, I'm taking next Wednesday off. Everybody else is really excited about next Wednesday. Um, my favorite game to play in kind of the board game context, uh, I'm, me and my wife really, really love games, but there's like the certain levels of friend, you know, game friends. It's like whether or not you're willing to risk the friendship over the game. Like, we, we're there. Like, we have a rule of, like, what's said in the game stays in the game. Now, we're still Christians, but sometimes that's up for debate. Based, I mean, we, we are ready to win. Um, but so I want to actually show you my family. Uh, it's been a couple weeks. And so this is, this is my family. This is my wife, Rachel. Uh, we have a daughter who's going to be two in October. Her name is Olivia. Uh, and then Ogden is, he just turned four months uh, the other day. And so, little itty bitty one, she texted me that during worship, that picture, and I was like, "I just got to share it. It's too cute. Those kids are just too cute." Uh, so that is, that is my family. My wife uh, Rachel and I have been married now seven years. Uh, we've been we've known each other now for ten years, uh, and so it, it has to do with games. I just wanted to tell you about not our first date, but our second date, and it has to do with this game, Monopoly Deal. Um, I don't know if you ever played Monopoly Deal. Uh, It's a lot like Monopoly, but it doesn't take 10 hours. It takes about 15 minutes. Um, but it's, it's full of these different cards that you can, uh, you know, there's action cards. I'm not going to teach you how to play the game. I'll bring it next week and we can play it. But there's different, there's like money cards and property cards and action cards. And, you know, you can have this like strategy mixed with luck, you know, things like that. I don't know, Christians aren't supposed to believe in luck, are they? I don't know, luck, chance, predestination. It's like if, if the Lord predestined you to have those cards. There we go. But it's like so it's chance and strategy and all these things mixed together. Uh, but if you ever played Monopoly, deal, like so many card games and and like family games, the rules can kind of evolve over time. Uh, And so what happened is on our second date, I, you know, being the Cute 19 year old that I was, said, You know, hey, we're just going to go to a coffee shop I'm from Seattle, coffee shops everywhere. We're going to go to, you know, have a nice game of Monopoly deal, um, and, and we're just going to, you know, have some fun. So she's played Monopoly deal before. I've played Monopoly deal. And uh, I say it's the second date because if it was the first date, there probably wouldn't be a second date because I obliterated her. I just, just no holds bar, just, just creamed her at Monopoly deal. Um, and, and part of, Why I ended up being so successful in hindsight is because there were times that there were rules that I conveniently forgot about that then in a moment that it suited my needs, I said, oh, yeah, you can do this. And then I would play just a brutal hand. I'd like, dude, you get... If you're, if you're in the dating you know, season of life, just don't do that. Just let them win. But I didn't. And so there's all these rules that had evolved in her way of playing and in my way of playing that may or may not have been in the original way. And you make decisions on how you play based on the rules that you're following. And so you have these guiding principles uh, that change the way that you interact with the game, that you play the game, uh, because you have this set of rules, whether they're the same rules as I'm playing with or you're not, we're playing the same game. In the same way, we have these guiding principles that guide our lives. Whether you're a Christian, -Christian, unchristian, this is your first time in church, you grew up in church, we all have these guiding principles. And even just because you're a Christian doesn't mean they're exactly the same. But we're guided by questions like this, as we make day-to-day decisions on how we want to play the game of life. Questions like this, what are, what's important to me? What's a value of mine? What's a priority? Questions like what makes a good person versus a bad person? There's questions like, what determines right and wrong, or is there even a right or wrong? The questions, the answers to questions like these guide our reality and how we make decisions one way or the other. What's the choice we're going to make? How are we going to spend those dollars, spend those hours, or invest our time? Uh, we have questions like, which is more valid, thinking, feeling, or intuiting? And we create for ourselves these rules, these kind of house rules, if you will, uh, as we go about life. And we're guided uh, by this complex set of past experiences, past trauma, and past uh, victories that we bring into our present day reality. And these rules that we create, and then you add personality into the mix. Where if you take, you know, the the most common Myers Briggs. Would say that there's 16 different types of personalities. Some uh, would say that there's hundreds of different personality types based on the tests that you take. And so it's no secret that we're a group of incredibly complex individuals. It's no secret that when you start adding all of these factors of past experiences, rules of life, personality types, and individuals in the same room, let alone uh, the same uh, grouping, the same church— it starts to get a little chaotic. And in this series that we did, this kind of sub-series last week, we introduced a beautiful community. We look at this complex mess of people and we see that God wants us to walk together. Like that we're playing at times by different rules, that we have different perspectives, that we have different backgrounds, different uh, cultures, but we're all expected to be together we wonder why it's so hard. But to take it further, Paul, in uh, Philippians, you can turn to Philippians if you'd like. It's going to be on the screen in just a moment. But it's this complicated humanity that we're talking about that Paul pens these words that would be read not only by the Philippians, but by complicated communities of complicated people for the rest of time. And he says this, Philippians 2, verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. No pressure, right? Let's pray. Jesus, help us. Lord, help us. God, help us be who you've called us to be for one another, with one another, and for your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So like I said, we started this series last week, just to kind of bring you up to speed. If you weren't here last week, the series is called Beautiful Community, and we talked about the difference between a good community and a beautiful community. And so a good community is, shares a common proclivity, preference, or proximity. So they do what I do, they like what I like, or they are where I am. Then you have, we looked in Ephesians 2, uh, at the end of Ephesians 2, and we really pulled out that the community that God calls us into shares a common identity, reality, and trajectory. So it's not just that they do what I do, but they are who I am. It's not just that they like what I like, but they see how I see. It's not just that they are where I am, but they're going where I'm going. There's a different kind of community that we're called into as Christians. And we sort of identified sort of the the moral of the story was that we can create good community, but only God can create a beautiful community. On our own, we can find people who live like us, find people who like the stuff that we like, find people who act the way we act, but only God can put us in partnership with other people of the same identity in Christ, of the same reality of how we make our decisions and live our life in the same trajectory on where God is calling us to go. So that's a great start, but if I'm reading correctly here in Philippians 2, he's not just calling us into community, he's calling us to be one. Like, it's one thing to say, hey, we can hang out once a week. It's one thing to say we can be friends. But it's a little bit different for God to say, I actually don't want you just to be friends or buddies or a church, but I want you to be one. This complex set of individuals, not only supposed to be friends, but supposed to become one is increasingly difficult as you look at it more and more and more. Philippians, um, Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon are known as the captivity epistles. It means that Paul wrote them while he was in prison. And so it's easy, I say often, it's easy to get conned by a text with no context. And so there's literary context where you see what was just said and what's said after, but there's also historical context of what's happening. So we have to think about where Paul's at while he's writing these things. And so for the to the Philippians, and to the Ephesians, he's in prison. And so, in this context, Paul has a lot of time to reflect on what's most important. And a little thing about the way that Paul writes in his epistles is he starts with what's called an indicative, and then he goes to an imperative. So, an indicative is uh, just a fact of being. Like, and, and so in this context, it's something God has done, and something that who you are. So, it's not something you should do. It's an indicative. It's a fact. God has done this. And then he moves to an imperative, so we should do that. So, in the first three chapters of uh, Ephesians, there's no indicative other than, uh, or there's no imperative other than, hey, remember all the stuff God did. And then it moves to this. And then in Philippians, the first 27 verses, is, there's no imperative. It's just, God did all of this. So, do this. So, in Philippians 1, uh, verse 27, and then in Ephesians 4, he says, the, the, first, indic- the first imperative of either is fight for unity. So, Paul, writing in prison, having day after day after day to think about what's most important, he starts by saying, Remember what God did. Remember who you are in Christ. Remember uh, the, the dividing wall of hostility that he tore down for you. Remember the grace he extended to you. So, fight for unity. So, be one. If you've been united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion make my joy complete, being like minded, having the same love, being of one spirit and of one mind. He says the most important thing is having unity, it would make his joy complete. And so when we approach community, we approach unity. I I really think even though we are complex individuals with complex experiences, life, and futures, I think that we really approach this idea of unity one of three ways. And I'll just kind of lay them out and then we can kind of look at them a little bit. And I want to, you know, know, or I want you to at least consider which is the way that you most commonly fight for unity. Option one is fight for your way. So if we're all trying to be one, option one of fighting for unity is fight for your way. When Steve Jobs was acquiring Pixar in the early 90s, there was uh, discussions of how this would go down, right? And one of the questions that Steve was asked was, how do you deal with conflict or disagreements? And he said, oh, it's simple. I just keep explaining until you realize my perspective. I'll just keep going until you realize that, that what I'm saying is correct. That's how I'll deal with conflict. And so one way to become one is to fight for your way. And so this is a way that uh, if here's me and there's you, if I just have enough blue, eventually it'll kind of cloud out the green so we're all one, right? We're just going to listen to how awesome I am. And you know that person. You've seen that person's Facebook post. I promise you, you have. And so this perspective, this fighting for unity is gathered around right. What is right? And so It's always looking for louder microphones, bigger platforms, and larger audiences, because we're going to get to the one mind, but that one mind is going to be pretty darn close to my mind. Maybe it's the the less important things I'll let, you know, kind of be your thing, but the important things it's really going to be my mind. If people just saw the way, things the way I saw them, everything would just be smoother, right? You know that person, and uh, like... Have you ever, just to kind of bring it a little bit closer to us, so it's not just this person we're going to throw stones at, uh, you know? Later, have you ever given yourself, you know, given someone else advice, and you're like, that was really good advice. I mean, that was like really good. It's like, oh, dude, was that in the Bible? Probably. If, If it's not, it should be. It's, I mean, that's good advice. I, I have walked away from that, and then the Lord's like, hey, remember the verse where it's like, the wisdom of man is foolishness to God, or whatever? But it's like, man, but that, was, that was really, really good advice, because as much as we want to like villainize these people, and say, you know, all oh, these guys are jerks, and just looking to, you know, get their point across, we say, we don't do that, because we're right. Like, I don't, heck no, I, I don't like try and force myself, me. I just try and force what's true because I could never be wrong. We try and fight for unity by fighting for our way, and I don't think that any of us would walk away going, yeah, that's the right way to do it. So we don't need to spend too much time asking ourselves if this is what Philippians is asking us to do, because I really don't think that it is. But I was uh, at Chick-fil-A last night picking up some, uh, some of the Lord's chicken for my family uh, after. We had a guest services training here, and then I ran um, to get to the Lord's Chicken. If You actually don't need to pray over Chick-fil-A. It's called, it comes pre-prayed for. Um, and so if you're ever looking for a hack, save some time. You don't need to pray. It's been prayed for. Um, so go ahead and just skip right to your meal. Um, so picking up some of the Lord's Chicken last night, and um, so I went through the drive through and I'm standing, or I'm sitting at where they give you your food, and they are figuring out the rest of my order or whatever, and I hear this girl um, who's working, one of the managers or something, is on the to walkie-talkie with the person who's at the actual drive-through. There's some confusion about the order, so she's giving instructions, and then um, like this person over there keeps on like cutting her off, like, oh, got it, and then is taking action. She's like, no, 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 listen, I need the seven milkshakes, but three of them have no, got it. He's like, no, no, but three of them have, okay, cool, cool, got it. And so we sometimes do that though with scripture where we like read the verse of the day and we go, cool, got it. And we don't realize that if we just kept reading, he would like tell us how to do it. Like If we just like let the person finish the Chick-fil-A operator, we would get the right amount of milkshakes, we'd get the right amount of cherries, and it wouldn't be so hard. We do that with Scripture sometimes, where we go, okay, we got to be one mind, one love, one spirit, all this stuff, so here's how I'm going to do it. No, 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 but he goes on a little bit and gives us some clues. Let's look at it one more time, but go a verse or two further. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness So in that case, if it's not option one, which is fight for your way, could it be option two, which is yield to their way? So there's fight for your way or yield to their way. To their way. Now, this would look at this, you know, scripture, and it might at face value look like that because it says something like, "Do nothing out of selfish ambition or or vain conceit." Okay, cool. So it's going to be their way. Do, uh, value others above yourself. Cool. Going to be their way. Don't look at your own interests, but the interests of others. Okay, cool. It's going to be their way. So I'm not going to fight for my way. I'm going to yield to their way. And I think that sometimes we wrongly interpret scriptures like this as, as to say, "Sit down, shut up." And serve. That this is really just saying, hey, the the key to unity is you getting out of the way. That if you just show up to stuff, make sure you like give to to the campaign, make sure that you like, you know, cheer when they say cheer, and then you go home. That's your role in unity, because you need to step aside and let someone take it. Remember, it says to like value other people over yourself. Remember it says, and and so we have this like wrong sense. It's well-intended, I think, you know, that we view like humility as as that maybe it's well-intended, but it's unsustainable. Like we can't go on like that for very long and it robs the rest of the community of what God's put in you. Like when we say the key to unity isn't me being in the spotlight, it's me being in the sideline, then we really start to get in the situation where we're robbing other people of what God's put in us for them. I love that uh, Tyron Edwards, a, a, a theologian of the 1800s said, true humility is not abject, groveling, self-despising spirits. It is but a right estimate of ourselves as God sees us. True humility is not an abject, groveling, self-despising spirit. It is but a right estimate of ourselves as God sees us. If we feel like the quickest way to unity is us getting out of the way, there are so many verses that we have to throw out. Because there are too many verses about how awesome you are to think that God wants you out of the equation. Like there are too many verses about the call that he has on your life, the gifts he's put in you. I love in Ephesians 4, it tells us that as a community, we push each other towards God and keep each other from false teaching. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says that every part of the body is essential. Even the things that you don't think are, they really, really are. There are too many verses about how awesome you are for me to think that God's plan is for you to sit down and get out of the way in order for us to be of one mind for us to be of one heart, of one love, because that's really what God is calling us to be. It seems difficult, but at the same time, it's in scripture for a reason that God has a plan. It involves us not just being together, not just being friends, but actually being one, of one mind, of one love, of one spirit. If we really look a little deeper, one mind, how to think, that we make decisions based on the same rubric of what wisdom is that our rules start to look more similar. Our house rules aren't, you know, my way to play or your way to play, that they have a similarity, that we have one way to understand uh, wisdom and understanding, that we have one love. And this is talking about the agape love, the sacrificial love, that we act the same way. We don't just think the same way, but we act the same way, that we're people of self-sacrificing love. And it says of one spirit, how we feel our essence, our, uh, our soul. Uh, it has a similar fingerprint, like the fingerprint on the graphic. There's a single, uh, similar fingerprint on each of our souls that we're called to be one in the same in so many ways. But if unity has to either be me in the spotlight... Or me on the sideline, it sounds pretty far from what Paul is saying is available to us in Christ. But before we look at option three, which is your proclivity? If you're fighting for unity in your own way, is your way to look for the spotlight or look for the sideline? Is it to say, man, I can't wait to share my deep thoughts and my impressive theology and and advice with with someone, or is it to say, I really need to let someone else take charge, because that's the way we're all going to view ourselves as one. Our tendencies make up our internal house rules the same way you might play Monopoly Deal different than I play Monopoly Deal. It it makes up our own house rules, but here's the thing about Monopoly Deal in so many card games. We look a lot at like the cards, and we can say, you know, that this is how I grew up playing, and this is how you grew up playing, and we can fight all day about which is right, but inside the box is, is another piece of paper. And on the paper, it actually tells us what the real rules are. And so if you're missing the paper, of course it's gonna be whether I'm right or you're right, when you realize that there actually is a right way to play, it's no longer are we playing my way or your way, it's are we playing the game the way it was intended to be played. And so when we look at this concept of unity, uh, so often we, we feel like it's you versus me, us trying to become like each other, us trying to adopt either your way or my way, where I think that Paul's talking about a different kind of oneness, that it's no longer about whether I'm gonna do it like you or you're gonna do it like me, but if we look in the scripture one more time in Philippians 2, one through five, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, If any common sharing in the spirit, if any tendencies and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking at your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So if option one is fight for your way and option two is yield to their way, option three is submit to his way. Because in the rule, of, you know, in the rule book of life, when we realize that truth isn't found in the way I want to do it or the way you want to do it, but that there's actually an external source and his name is Jesus, is no longer about you becoming like me or me becoming like you. It's about us becoming like Jesus. And when we start uh, to view it, not as if I'm right or if you're right, but we wanna look more like how God is right, then things start to change. It's like, uh, you know, if we've had these, I haven't really referenced the graphs behind me, but one is like all the way over to me, one is like all the way over to you. But as we start to try and look like God, look what happens. Instead of me, oh, the you is behind the keyboard. It says you, you're back there, I'm over here. Keyboard, you. Should have resized that a little bit, my bad. But you have you over there, me over here, and instead of us trying to be more like each other, when we start trying to look more like Jesus, we start to look more like each other. When we start to look more like Jesus, we start to become one a little bit more. We can become one with each other because we're becoming one with God. The only way that we can become one with each other is if we focus on becoming one with God. Because the goal right here is, if the goal is to become one with another, we have to have the goal of becoming one with God. It says in... Uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18, I love it, it says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit, that as we behold God, we become like God. That when we behold Jesus, when we focus on Jesus, we start to look more and more like Jesus. And when we look more and more like Jesus, when I'm trying to do that and you're trying to do that, all of a sudden this unity doesn't start to seem so hard. Because we have the same rule book saying, no, 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 it's not about what you think or what I think, what does Jesus think? That we push each other towards scripture, that we push each other towards who God is. It becomes so much more easy. I've been referencing kind of on the side Ephesians, but in Ephesians 4 uh, verses 3 through 6, he says, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all, that all of our alls can be found in his one. That there is one God, one baptism, one faith, that there's so many things that we share that override all of the things we disagree on, that there is one God who's called us into one beautiful community. We're now not settling things based on your way or my way. We're asking ourselves, what is Jesus' way? We're trying to be like Jesus. We've submitted that our opinion is just an opinion compared to God's truth. That our relationships now have legs to stand on because we're of one mind, one love, one soul. Because we decided what the right answer is. It's Jesus. It's like, have you ever you've played Mad Libs before? Like, where on one side you you don't know what the story is going to be, like, but you just it says adjective, okay, and you say noun, and okay, and then it's like a funny story on the other side because you're deciding like the words before the story's written. Like, it's kind of like that. If we're playing Mad Libs together and we just say, hey, we don't know what stories on the other side, but our answer is going to be Jesus. Like, we don't we don't know what we're going to go through, but together we've already decided our truth. That uh, when it's a question of identity, easy, I already wrote it, Jesus. Calling, easy, Jesus. Family, easy, Jesus. I have Christ's mind, I have Christ's identity, I have Christ's uh, proclivities, I have Christ's trajectory that now I've already decided and we decided as a community It's Jesus. We're going towards Jesus. We're becoming like Jesus. It's not about me being right, you being right. It's about Jesus being right. So the question stands, how do we become one with Jesus? Because we can walk away from a night like this and say, cool, got it, grids, triangles, trying to be like Jesus. We're all going to be okay. Sick. Sick. Like, we, we can walk away and go, man, well, that was so good. Great job, pastor. Fist bump, and we'll see you on Sunday. But, how do we become like Jesus? And it, it just makes me think, I've been thinking more and more the last few weeks of just the importance of the Word of God. It sounds like, oh, I didn't have to come to hear that, but seriously, like, read your Bible. Like, uh, I have a friend, and it just breaks my heart to see uh, some of the things that they've been posting, that uh, someone who was just so on fire for God and now is really shifting some perspectives to go, oh, Jesus wouldn't do that. Jesus wouldn't do that. Jesus is this. And I'm looking, because you know, Pastor Rice has encouraged us to read the New Testament every month. So I'm reading the New Testament and I'm looking at the Jesus that they're talking about and I'm looking at the Jesus in the Bible and I'm like, that doesn't sound like Jesus. And it's not because I'm right, I'm just trying to spend time in the thing that I know is right. And so we start to become more like Jesus when we spend time in the pages of the word of God, the word that became flesh in Christ Jesus, as it says in John 1, that we're spending time with Jesus when we're spending time with the word of God. And when we start to spend time with Jesus, we start to look more like Jesus and love more like Jesus and live more like Jesus. We start to become like Jesus when we spend time in his word. When we spend time in prayer, listening to God, Now, it's actually, Pastor David can come clean clean up my theology. Like, this maybe is not so theological as much as experiential. I think it's kind of dangerous if you, like, pray all the time but never read your Bible. If you're like, no, 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 I'm just a person of prayer, and I don't really read Scripture. But it's like, if if you don't know what God said, it's really hard to decipher what, what he's saying. And so, like, you need like, the Bible to start becoming more like Jesus, but the Bible without prayer starts to become dry and just kind of, uh, you know, you start to just turn it into application points. And so, you have the Bible, but then you have prayer where you listen to God. You say, God, I, I know what it says in Scripture, but help me apply this to this nuanced situation. God, what do you have to say about me? What do you have to say about my family, my kids? God, what would you have me do in this incredibly difficult situation? God, help me speak through your words, speak through uh, my mind and my emotions and my, my intuition. God, speak to me in prayer. So we start to become more like Jesus when we read the word of God that became flesh 2,000 years ago. We start uh, to become more like Jesus when we pray and listen to his spirit. And when we spend time in community with other believers, we start to become more like Jesus. Any of these three things on their own. Is incredibly dangerous. Actually, I shouldn't say the Bible is incredibly dangerous. That's, that's, That's an exaggeration, but can be dangerous. But when we combine them together and we have the, the word of God giving us insight, revelation and wisdom, the spirit of God speaking to us in prayer and the community of God rallying around us and encouraging us towards God, we start to look more like Jesus. And so when we look more like Jesus, if I'm focusing on more, looking more like Jesus and you're looking more like Jesus, then we start to look more like each other because we really did what Philippians 2 said. It says, Be one like-minded of one spirit, one soul, one love by being like-minded with Christ. I love the ESV version says uh, to have the mindset that is available to you in Christ. When we start living like Jesus, we start living like one another as we're together becoming more like him. So my question to you is this. When we fight for unity, are you most naturally looking for the spotlight or the sideline? Are you quick uh, to get in front or quick to get out of the way? Because if you're looking for the spotlight, I think we can take away from this that we can open our ears to be better listeners. And if we look for the sideline, I think that we can take away from this that I actually have a part to play in this beautiful, diverse, eclectic, unified kingdom that my voice matters. But I think maybe even more importantly than that is just to take a moment, and let's just close our eyes as a community and just take a self inventory and ask yourself, what are you doing to be more like Jesus? What routine in your life are you doing so that you can wake up tomorrow a little bit more like Jesus than you did today? And maybe God right now is pinpointing something in your heart, uh, one of those three things, spending just a little bit more time in his word prioritizing prayer just a little bit more. Maybe he's pointing on your heart that there are people that you need to uh, interact with on a more regular basis and get insight into your life and how uh, you can be walking more like God so you can be walking in community because as we do that, we start to see people differently. As we do that, we start to treat people differently. We start to see them how Jesus sees them. We start to treat them how Jesus would treat them. We start to love like God loves, and we start to be a display of God's glory and love on the earth. Lord Jesus, help us. Help us be more like you, because we know our greatest hope of being one with each other is to be one with you. Lord, help us set down our own internal rule books and the ways that we've created our own principles on how life should exist and lay them at the feet of you, God. To lay them at the feet of Jesus. Picking up your truth. Subscribing to your viewpoints, God. Subscribing to what you say is reality, God. Right now, we just lay down God, help us lay these things down at your feet so that we can live more like you, God. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen.